listening to Coast to Coast Latino. Good Friday morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Coast to Coast Latino podcast. I am your host, Adrian Perez, and I want to welcome you to another edition of Coast to Coast Latino, brought to you by the Vida de Oro Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to the arts and enhancing the community. We are listening to the beautiful sounds of Julieta Venegas, very popular performer, singer out of Mexico. She's uh, especially popular in the uh, Latino rock scene. And uh, this is one of her biggest songs called Eres Para Mi. Eres Para Mi. I want to thank you again for joining us. Let me tell you, we've got a lot of information uh, coming to you today. Uh, our program is being extended to 30 minutes from 20 minutes. So we get an extra 10 minutes, which is kind of exciting. But that also tells us that the program is growing. And it's people like you who are listening to this program that are making it possible for us to continue to uh, to grow. This is, in fact, our fifth program, our fifth episode. So we're very excited. And again, thank you. Thank you for joining us. We are 96 days away from the presidential election and things appear to be heating up, but we're not sure. Uh, President Trump has had a very unique approach at campaigning. Uh, he is leaning a lot towards trying to get sympathy from us uh, regarding the fact that Dr. Fauci, uh, who many of you know is the one that uh, has been heading up the, uh, pretty much heading up the, uh, the uh, battle against COVID-19, giving us instructions, telling us what to do in order to uh, minimize the impact of COVID-19, uh, while the, the president um, hasn't been doing that. But as a result, Dr. Fauci has better approval ratings than President Trump. And President Trump made that very clear this week in his press conference, uh, sharing with everybody that uh, uh, obviously more people like Dr. Fauci than him. And then he even said, okay, and I quote, nobody likes me. You know, that reminds me of a child who is having issues adjusting to the popularity of a fellow classmate or a fellow friend. And uh, that is really unfortunate because it, it clearly displays that our president is, is, is not ready for the position that he got elected to, okay? Uh, this isn't the popularity contest. This is talking about the saving of lives. You know, we hit 
150,000 deaths in the United States. Those are Americans who have died. Okay, these are decent, hardworking, and loving individuals. There are 150,000 families who have been shedding tears and frustration over this illness. And this started in March, just a few months ago. Okay, but see, President Trump, for some reason, has made a decision to ignore it. He has decided that he's bored with this. He's no longer interested. Last week, he comes in and tells us, oh, yeah, we have to do social distancing. We have to do, wear masks. Then this week, he turns around and starts promoting a group of doctors who said that uh, you don't have to wear a mask. And then there, in fact, is a cure for COVID-19. Well, when you look at the background of these doctors, they're not really physicians. I mean, they may have gotten their title somewhere, but the bottom line is they're not experts. It's the experts we need to listen to, okay? The people that understand how research works have had their research peer-reviewed. And, and, and let me share with you, when you go to your physician and your physician says you have XYZ as a result, you know, your the following treatment is, is necessary. Then you look into the treatment and you realize that the treatment has too many side effects, a lot more side effects than the benefit of, of resolving the, your problem. So what are you going to do? You're going to ask for a second opinion because we all ask for a second opinion. And there's nothing wrong with that. Well. Medical researchers do the same thing when they have their papers, their research reviewed by somebody else. They're looking for that second opinion because they want to make sure that the information that they're putting out is accurate and makes a lot of sense for individuals. Could we prevent the, the deaths of 150,000? Yes, we could have. If there would have been some kind of a strategy that this administration could have come up with back in January, because they knew about this back in January, they should have started marching and moving on it. And instead, our president has gotten bored with it, doesn't want to talk about it, is trying to sweep it under the rug. Do you know this morning, excuse me, yesterday morning, Herman Cain, one of his administration people, that he appointed, and also a former presidential candidate for the Republican Party. Herman King passed away of COVID-19. He supposedly got the COVID-19 when he attended the Trump rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Folks, these are, these are people that we know, that we've seen. And, and there are many of you who have asked on social media, well, do you know anybody who's really died or who has really... Re yes, we know people. And in the Latino community, we are learning more and more about just how many people we know who are either infected or have died as a result of COVID-19. More recently, the mother of the mayor of Long Beach. Okay. The thing is, is that 
we this thing needs to be addressed. The president is not taking it seriously. So we're turning to Dr. Fauci because Dr. Fauci has taken it seriously and is telling us, look, we have to do something about it. In every one of our episodes, I keep stressing the importance of addressing COVID-19 because of the damage that is doing to Latinos across the entire United States of America. Houston, on a daily basis, whether it's the Dallas Morning News, the Houston Chronicle, any one of those major publications, all you need to do is look the front page and it's telling everybody the damage that it is doing to the Latino community in Texas. Now, mind you, Texas, like California, has approximately a 40% Latino population, okay? Uh, yet, the impact on, of uh, COVID-19 on the Latino community is disproportionate to the population. 47%, 47% of Latinos are being impacted by COVID-19 in Texas. In California, they also make up 40% of the population and 52% of the COVID-19 patients. What that is telling us that is that for every two individuals that get COVID-19, one of them is a Latino. Okay, another statistic that was provided by the CDC a couple of weeks ago is that out of every Latino who goes into the hospital, they have a 73% chance of dying. That's not very good. When you go for heart surgery, the doctor will tell you that there is a 5% chance of you not making it through. 5% chance. With COVID-19, they're telling you you have a 73% chance of not making it through. And that is not good for our community. The impacts are significant. That's why COVID-19 has to be taken very seriously by our community. And please, stop listening to the sideshows. There's so many circuses out there right now. It's not even funny. We know the Trump administration has not taken this issue very seriously. We know that there are physicians out there that are making horrible recommendations. But these are not fully studied individuals. These are not people that are researchers. We need to listen to the researchers, the guidance that the researchers are providing us. They're telling us simple things. Wash your hands regularly. And I'm talking about, especially if you go out to the supermarket, to Walmart, wherever, either use a hand sanitizer immediately after touching stuff, or else when you come home, wash your hands with warm water for at least 20 seconds. All the fruit that you buy, wash it before you eat it. That also includes vegetables. If you touch packaged foods, okay, Make sure that, again, you wash your hands before you open the package, or rather after you open the package. And then finally, wear a mask, because a mask does two things. It keeps uh, a lot of the particles from going into your lungs, 
and it also prevents you from distributing particles to other people. Okay. When two individuals have a mask, they minimize the chances of getting COVID-19. When only one person has a mask, the, the odds of you getting COVID-19 increase. When neither one of you has a mask, uh, you are at 100% chance of getting COVID-19. And understand that not everybody will show symptoms. When a person does not show symptoms, it's called asymptomatic. That means that they have the virus, except unless they get tested, nobody will ever know that they have the virus. And of course, there's other significant impacts that COVID-19 is having on the Latino community. Uh, one of the biggest one is unemployment, and specifically Latinas happen to get the worst part of that. Uh, at one point, uh, the Latino community, uh, in fact, in February, the Latino community in the United States uh, only had a 4.9% unemployment rate. According to Bloomberg, uh, in June, Latinos had an unemployment rate of 15.3%. That means that the unemployment rate for Latinos grew three times what it was back in February. So there's a lot of people that are unemployed. The other uh, area that's impacted, of course, are small business owners. Many new small business owners are Latinas. In fact, they have always been the fastest growing segment of the Latino community when it comes to uh, business ownership. And the reason being is that a lot of companies don't hire Latinas. So they get frustrated, they go out and they start their own business. Uh, the impact is very significant because we're seeing a lot of Latinas all of a sudden unable to open their doors or completely shut them and start looking for other ways of, of, uh, of making revenue. There's programs out there now that are offering ideas or ways of, of people uh, making money as entrepreneurs, but uh, when you have put your passion, your love for a specific idea and you implemented it and you start seeing the success of it, and then you get COVID-19 showing up and all of a sudden your success is wiped out, that's very significant, okay? Funding, money in your bank account is very important. The Latino community has never really embraced America's uh, insatiable uh, love with capitalism. And understandable, it's very understandable. Um, there's distrust, there's the idea of greed, and, uh, and more importantly, believe it or not, uh, the 500 plus years of, uh, of being mentally beat up uh, by the conquerors, which were the Spaniards and the Italians and, and the English, of being told that God uh, will protect individuals who are humble. And humble is a different way of saying that you're poor. 
Okay. So, so with all of that happening in our minds, it's very difficult for us to embrace the whole concept of capitalism. I get it. However, we shouldn't be afraid of capitalism. And I've said it before in this program, and I'm going to keep harping on this, that it's critical for us to know how to play the game of capitalism. If our community has the financial resources, okay, we would be able to not only influence public policy, which includes laws, we would be able to influence outcomes in judicial challenges. We would be able to significantly influence political outcomes. And more importantly, we would be able to reduce the possibility of us getting different diseases because funding also uh, goes together with better education. And the better education that we get, the better understanding that we have about our surroundings, whether it's the food that we eat or the pollution that we're letting loose in the environment, okay? If you look at those countries where pollution is especially very heavy, you see people walking around with masks. In Los Angeles, where pollution sometimes gets really, really bad, no one walks around with masks. So what are the health impacts? We have kids with asthma. We have different types of lung diseases, including cancer. We have different kinds of cancers that are caused by man-made materials that are thrown into the air. And then we look at, at uh, farm workers. Farm workers should always be wearing some kind of a mask because they're dealing in fields that have been uh, polluted with chemicals to help either the plant grow, get rid of weeds, or get rid of bugs. And as a result, farm workers should be wearing masks. Do they wear masks? No. Can we influence pieces of legislation to have them wear masks? Well, right now, no, because the unions that represent farm workers have not been able to get the kind of foothold that they had back in the 60s and 70s and, and even at the beginning of the 80s where individuals knew that their funding was going to, to make public policy changes that benefited them. Today we don't see that anymore. All we're seeing is a continuous struggle of trying to get a contract here, trying to get a contract there, but we see no influence at the capital. Okay. Or capitals, I should say, more than one capital. The, here's the other thing is because we are coast to coast Latino, Florida, if you look at Florida, the businesses, Latino owned businesses are being impacted very heavily. Who is moving to help those Latino businesses? A new study just came out that was published uh, by uh, uh, Fortune magazine that talks about how non-Hispanic whites 
had a an, an edge on getting PPP loans to address COVID-19 losses. That means that especially Latino businesses were already at a disadvantage from the get-go. And then when they applied for these loans, they were denied because they didn't have the the uh, the uh, paperwork done properly or they failed to demonstrate just exactly how much revenue they were getting. But the bottom line is they did not qualify. And so these businesses have been closing. So this is contributing to the U.S.'s economic output shortfall. And it's a significant shortfall. This past quarter, the output fell 9.5%. Okay, it is the biggest drop on record. And that translates to 32.9% annual rate of decline. That is even more than in 2008 at the beginning of the Great Recession. In other words, we are really facing a major economic depression. And we are seeing zero activity from the White House. We should be seeing some kind of strategies and policies being pushed by the White House. Instead, we're not seeing anything. And that is extremely concerning for each and every one of us. One of our biggest dreams as Latinos is to own a home. If the economic output of the U.S. continues to be going, continues to go as it is, it's going to be very difficult for Latinos to maintain or to obtain a job where the revenue will be able to assist them in trying to buy a house, okay? Um, and then we have additional public policies that are being introduced in California, in Texas, New Mexico, etc., where either we're going to get taxed again because state revenues are not meeting their their budgets, okay? which means they will either have to raise taxes or cut programs. Some state legislatures are actually introducing taxes, some form of a tax, uh, whether it's on roads, on, on a half a cent here, a half a cent there. The bottom line is this is a bad time for it public policymakers to be even looking for taxes, whether it's at the local level, state level, federal level, the bottom line is nobody should be taxing us. Okay? Uh, they should be finding ways of helping us. And I know some states are making effort, but at the same time, they're going, well, if we're going to help them here with X amount of dollars for unemployment, let's say, um, why don't we go ahead and tax them on something else? Well, the idea is not to be taxed especially right now. The timing is absolutely terrible. But the most interesting thing is both cities and states are looking at the federal government to help them bail out. And again, the White House is failing to react to this, which is not good. 
because if 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 the White House and specifically the Republican Party uh, makes zero effort to fix and help out the different economies of the states and the cities, uh, that means there's going to be a lot less revenue for the federal government. And at the rate that President Trump has been spending money, the federal government is going to be in big trouble because a lot of the money has been going to a lot of President Trump's uh, pet projects, things that he'd like to see built, okay, including the wall, uh, increasing the military spending, uh, creating this uh, uh, Space Force organization, etc. The guy has spent more money than Barack Obama, President Barack Obama, okay? Uh, and uh, we need to be cognizant of that because the money has to come from somewhere. And you'd figure that the White House would be the one to lead the nation on fixing this thing. Instead, President Trump is taking this information and is using it as an excuse to try to delay the presidential election scheduled for November 3rd. Okay, he keeps talking about it. But here's the thing. Only Congress can change the date. But the U.S. Constitution specifically says that the election for president shall be held the Tuesday after the first Monday in November. So he can't change it. But yet he's going to make an effort to change it. Why is he going to try to make an effort to change it? Because he knows his numbers have plummeted. The guy's in big trouble. Okay. Uh, which is the reason why, like I said earlier, he goes around telling people, well, nobody likes me. His numbers are dropping left and right, especially in the states that are critical for him to win a re-election. The numbers are really bad. There are groups of Republicans who are getting together and working against President Trump. Currently, there are four major groups that are pushing hard to destroy and make sure that Donald Trump is not reelected. Okay? And get this, they're going after the enablers as well. Uh, and those enablers, which is mostly the Republican leaders in the Senate, have allowed Donald Trump to pretty much run amok which is not good for the country. It is not good for the world. The world is looking at us for direction, for help, for, for leadership, because we've always provided. Since World War II, we have provided that kind of leadership. And here we are now in a position where we look domesticated. We look like we can't do it. We look like discombobulated. And now if we hold back on holding our election, all of a sudden we look like a third world country. And speaking about third world country, Donald Trump is making the whole idea of absentee ballots look as if that's the way third world countries run their elections. 
Well, shoot, let me tell you, we've had absentee ballots for many, 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 many years. And it works. It works in, in, in sustaining our democracy because it allows everybody to vote. And in, during this pandemic, the last thing we want to do is risk people's lives. Okay, the elderly who normally are the ones who volunteer or get paid to go work as poll workers are not going to be working as poll workers because they are the most vulnerable for COVID-19, which, by the way, also says there's a great opportunity for young people to, to go out and get involved in the election process. Uh, in addition to that, we have some polls that are going to be closing. And then we have other states that are pushing for voter ID, making it very difficult for Latinos specifically to participate in the election process. And whether you're a Democrat or Republican, it's totally un-American for us not to be allowed to participate in the election process. We need to be a part of it. We need to be a, a significant voice and we are. There's 61 million of us. Anyway, this is my cue. I gotta get off the air. I want to thank you for joining us. Please drop us a line at latino at coasttocoastlatino.com. That's latino at coasttocoastlatino.com. Love to hear from you. Any feedback? Uh, would appreciate it. Thank you for joining us again this fifth uh, episode of Coast to Coast Latino. Take care and until next week.